0: This is Church of the Resurrection in Whedon, Illinois. I want to take a minute to introduce our special guest this morning. This is Archbishop Miguel Ochoa, who is the Archbishop over Brazil, meaning he oversees the family of churches, part of the Anglican Communion in in that country, Uh, and he has a special connection to us in part because Catherine, Stewart's wife, uh, grew up and, and lived most of her childhood in Brazil. Uh, And so that's a country that that we have ties to. And as a global communion, as Anglicans, uh, that that global communion is not just something that looks nice on paper so that we can say, oh, you know, we're diverse. It actually is something that means something to us because we go to these partnerships in the world. We minister and we give and they receive from us, as you'll hear later, but also they come to us. And they minister to us, and we receive from them. And sometimes that's challenging. It's challenging for Archbishop Miguel because he told me this morning, I have to transition now from Spanish, which he was preaching in last night at the conference that he was here in the States for. Now I've got to do English. And, of course, you know Portuguese is his main language, okay? It's a challenge for us too sometimes because we hear other parts of the world reading and interpreting and understanding the Scriptures differently than we might. It can unsettle us. But we need that. Because of the cultural blinders that we have. And so I, I bid you to not only welcome Miguel and, and the word that he is to bring to us, but to let your hearts be fully shaped and formed by it. So let's welcome Archbishop. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe seated,
1: please. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Now, first, I want to maybe clarify some people. Here, sometimes ask how we got together, me and Bishop Stewart, and become good friends in the last years. But it happens in 1998, in, in oh, sorry, 2008, in Jerusalem for the Gafcon, first GAFCON conference. And we were there as a group of Brazilians, some priests, and a group of Brazilian Anglicans in that conference. And we were in the corner talking Portuguese, speaking Portuguese, talking to each other. And suddenly this guy came He jumped in and said, Hey, Brasileiros! It means, Hey, Brazilians! Now, who is this guy? It was Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> this is his face, right? He is just like that. And he just said, Brazil- Brazilians! And we said, Are you Brazilians? And No, no, I don't know how to say that. My wife is a Brazilian. Then. We start the whole conversation. And then we became good friends since then. We have exchanged our ministries, partnering, and it's a pleasure for us not only to be here, but to be partnering with you, Resurrection and Holy Spirit Church in the church in Brazil. Now, so I want to tell you a story of a, of a lady who was in the service. She was uh, looking to the priest. The priest was very Concerned about his sermon. He was uh, preaching, and sometimes he just bowed down his head. And then after the service, she came to him and said, Pastor, I-, I really love when you preach because you just take that break and pray in the middle of the service. And he said, Oh, dear, it's not like that. I'm, it's just because my lens is not working well, so I have to, <laughs> to bow down and see what's written in my notes. So if I bow down and sit my notes here, because I need my notes to preach to you sometimes in English, I, I just shift from from Spanish to to English right now, and I bring the greetings of the Church Anglican Church in Brazil and the Church of the Holy Spirit where I'm the rector, and it's a again it's a pleasure for me to be here. I am following you in the series of Psalms that you have here in this church, and I was looking to the psalms that you have passed already, and I couldn't see that you have not passed by a group of two of my favorite, favorite psalms, Psalm 127 to 128. So I want to call you today to reflect on this group of psalms, the two psalms, that together they are called the psalms of the family or the psalms of life. So let's have a look in the beginning of that and see how important these words are for, and how it begins. In the very beginning, it says, unless the, the Lord builds the house, the builders labored in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guard stands watch in vain. So this psalm was probably written by David to Solomon, his son. is a kind of advice to his son, Solomon, who was about to take the power, to take the government as a king. So David is uh, mentoring him. And this psalm, people understand, that is uh, advice from him to his son, Solomon. And look at Solomon. You, you know Solomon. Solomon would, be, would have everything to be the most successful person of all, by his own. By his own strength, by his own abilities, his own power. But his father, David, because he inherits everything from from David, right? But he, David, his father, teaches him something basic, fundamental. He says, always look high. Solomon, always bring God closer to everything you undertake. Every single thing that you're going to do, that you do in your life, bring God and put God before you in this. Everything we build, we should build with God. Could be a city, could be a church, could be a family, a business, everything. This is my concern through the Bible that God need the Lord need to be just before us in every single step. I know that hard work is important. We we love to work hard. But if it's not if it's not associated or linked with the Lord's will, it has no future. That what he said here if it is not the Lord who watch over the city, it will be will be useless anything, anything. So today we will understand a little bit about this expression of the psalms. Although it seems quite clear, it is wider than we imagine. It's much more wider. Because the the meaning of these two psalms is it comes to me like God cares for me. God cares for us. The question may be how does the Lord take care of me. Under what circumstances does he take care of me? Of course, this has no, in any field of my life, anything that my life is involved in, this is my existence, the Lord needs to be there. I know that sometimes we, are, we have many voices speaking to our ears. In this world, right? Many, as Christians, we are always a counterculture. We, we know that we are against a big current of understanding of the society, of the status quo of the society. So we need to take care of what the Lord is saying, to follow Him, and to not, you know, skip or, or, or take another way that He is not blessing. And I know that is not easy. I know that is not easy, but. We should be aware about that. Let's begin with what God's greatest plan for mankind. Where it begins. Where he takes care and how he takes care of me. Some years ago, many years ago I would say, I decided that I would write a, a mission declaration for my life. Because uh, at that time, was a big shift in my life that I need to focus on what is the Lord's will for my life. And I found easier if I have some guidance. And I wrote down a, a mission declaration. And it goes like this, maybe in English, goes like this. The, the purpose of my life, me, Miguel, is to build a family with Christian values, strong Christian values, and a larger, wider church that can be an instrument of transformation in society. So I live by this. Everything I do since I wake up and go to the bed, everything I do and plan, I focus on these two fields, family and my mission as a Christian. So it makes it make easy for me, or easier for me, to not lose the focus. Because everything I do, I check my declaration sometimes. If someone asks me to do something that I'm in doubt, I go to my declaration and just see if it is, it is matching with this. If it is, okay. If not, maybe I will not do that. But I see that God cares for us. The first thing God cares for me, the first thing is, that I see that He cares for, for the family, for my family, for your family. God cares for your family. He really cares about that. Why? Because a, 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 base, a balanced family would build or shape a balanced society. A balanced and good family will shape a good and balanced society. That's clear. Everything in... in, in and, and society comes from the family, good and bad. Look what he said in the text here. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder labor in vain. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring of a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are a children born in one's youth. And then he goes, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame, etc. Also, so he's saying, follow these steps, taking care of everything you do, especially the family. You're going to build a safe life and a good society, and you fulfill the purpose of God. Sometimes we think that we are doing this. And I know that, again, it's not easy. Because everything, I mean, starts here. Everything is multiplied around here. Good things in society are kind of germinated within the family. The importance of the family is throughout the Bible and can be seen in practice in society. I don't know you, but sometimes we we used to have a, a prison ministry in our church, and we visit the prison to minister to the people there. And one thing that was very sad that we noticed was the young people there. The, the, most of the young people, to say over 90% of that young people in prison, they are there and somehow they never have a father in, ho- in home. Never have a presence of his father. So they never be fathering. They, they never had a mentor to them. It is a big sign when you have over 90 percent of the people in prison, young people, without a father. So it makes me uh, clear. It makes clear for me that it is important. Unless the Lord watch over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Unless the Lord build your house, your family, you, we are working in vain. I sometimes see. How people boast that they are giving themselves so much to provide for their family. And I, and I praise that, that. That's good. You have to work hard, really. We have to work hard. But this, sometimes, they turn away from them. They are absent. All of this is vain if God is not placed there. And I gave a personal testimony this morning, and I want to give you again because it's my, I, I can speak for myself. So I, I can share with you something that I struggled some years, many years ago. When my boys were little kids, I was ordained as a priest. And as soon as I was, I was ordained as a priest, the rector of my church took a sabbatical and gave me the responsibility of that church. That was the, at that time, most largest Anglican church in Latin America. So I was so proud, you can imagine. The young priest, knowing almost nothing, but sh- full of pride, now I am the rector of this church. I was not. I was just. In the place of someone. But you know, I get so excited. I got so excited. I start to work hard every day, morning, afternoon, and evening. Most of our ministers work in evening. So I have evening, morning, afternoon. At that time I I, I used to live uh, far from the church where the church building was. So I had to spend the whole day there. My boys were little. I had three boys at that time. All of them small kids. And I was, in my mind, for me was, I'm working for the Lord. I'm doing the Lord's will. I will make this church going. When the rector come back, he will see even a bigger, larger church. You know, I was working in vain. I was a labor working in vain. Why? Because I forgot my family. I forgot my boys. I forgot my wife. I remember that I came, when I came home, when I come home later night, some of my, one of them never come to greet me at the door, because I was not there very, very often, so he was not worried about me. And I remember a key day, that was a tough day for me, that I was in the church, and then I, I went home to have dinner, and then I was ready to get back to the church, and I was do- just came like change take some food i was eating in the in the in the table and my son was in the corner on the sofa watching tv he was 6 years old at that time and he looked at me and said dad where are you going to and i said i'm going to the to work i'm going to the church and he stopped for a while and he bowed down and he said dad I hate you are a pastor you know when you have a call to be a pastor this is the the highest the most important thing in life when you really have a call and he said I hate you are a pastor and then I you know this me, kills me totally. I went to him. That was very key. I went back to him, left the table, and I knew before him. And I said, son, this is not going to happen again. I called the church and said, I'm not going to the church tonight, and I stay home with him. And I said, this is not going to happen again, never. And since that day, for my decision, he, this little boy, was the God's voice for me because I was working, laboring in vain because I was not putting the Lord before my family. But that was very important for me to go there and tell him and decide that this is not going to happen again. This is the point. Pay attention here. Because this is the point, I was, I, I repented, I recognize this is wrong what I'm doing. So I told him, and today this little boy is my assistant pastor in my church. He loves the Lord, he loves to be a pastor, he's totally in passion for the Lord. He wasn't here some years ago, maybe some of you know him, Gabriel. So I sometimes see how people really boast, and, and they are proud, that they are working hard to build a family, to build a company, to provide. But what David said to, to, to Solomon was, "If God is not the provider is useless, has no, has no basis. Who lives this way It is convey exactly that, hence a conceptual materialism arise. Conceptual materialism arise. We become spiritual materialists maybe something like that. So God takes care of my family when he teaches me how to treat my kids, to honor my wife or husband and, and put them before anything. I have many testimonies of that. You know, for the first service, I had to preach fast because they had the second service. <laughs> but now, I have only the lunch. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm just kidding. But I, I have, uh, you know, I, I, was, I used to be a surfer, you know, surfing the waves all over, all over the Brazil. And I, when I started to work and then I could not surf anymore, 10 years after that, I came back to the surf. I just got a surfboard, and I said, I'm going back to this. And I was with my wife at that time, and a friend of mine, we visited him in this beach house. He said, Miguel, I have this surfboard here. I'm too chubby to not say fat to, to, to surf again. Why you don't take this board and, and start, restart to surf again? And I said, I looked at the board. The board looked at me, and we just <laughs> was like, and then my wife said, no, you're not taking this. That was my great excitement. when she said, you are not going to do this. And she said, well, I'm going to do right this. I took the board and restart the surf. And I started very excited to surf again. Every weekend going to surf. I was becoming a young man again. I was stupid. I see myself changing my vocabulary <laughs> with, with the young, young people. And then, you know what happened? I started to put the surf before my kids and my, and my family again. And then my wife said, you know, we don't have Saturdays anymore, because you are surfing. We don't surf, you surf. We just watch, and it's boring to watch you surfing. <laughs> and I had to take a, you know, a decision again to see, well, how can I manage that to put my family before? So my wife, my wife like, she used to love to sleep later. So I, I decided to go to the, to the beach at 4 o'clock in the morning, surf until 8, and then come back, like, happy again for the family. But you know, sometimes we put just some our desires and, and goals before the family. Could be funny, but it could be a disaster be a disaster. We are not talking about oppression and and family, but you know, good relationships and family need to be based in the Lord. It does not protect your family living and practicing counter counter values, moral absence, not taking care of your kids. And then you'll be surprised one day when your kids are doing something and you ask, who teach this to this boy? I say, you. Maybe with your absence, someone just came in and touched them. This is happening. God takes care of my family, giving me, giving me all the tools that I need to that happen. So just be aware and realize God takes care of my family, teaching me the kingdom culture the kingdom values. So pay attention to this now. Children are arrows and everything depends on how you release the arrows. Again, we we have talked, even with Stuart, we have talking about the next generation a lot. I, I'm very aware about the next generation in my, in my church. I know that Stuart is also. We are even uh, promoting a, a next-generation gen- conference for GAFCON that will be probably in Brazil uh, in 2021. And we were talking about this last time I wasn't here. I, I just said, we are the archers, and we need to release these arrows, our natural kids and our, our spiritual children, to the world. So today, I really incarnate that and the point that I did a tattoo on my arm here with a bow arrow. There's a guy like this, archer. And then some of my priests are, are tattooing arrows. My son tattooed arrow. My two sons have arrows. Now I have an arch here, the guy. You can see now, but later I can show you. And because I really understand that our children goals, natural and spiritual goes where we are not going, right? We are not going. If we release them well, they will continue the work that the Lord has to, our, to us through them. That's the, the meaning of when, when the psalmists say here, children are arrows, spiritual and natural. So, God also cares for me in this psalm i see because he cares of my motivation which are oh what motivation i have and i think that it's very true he takes care of my motivation and what my heart is longing to do or to for let's see the text here it will be useless to get up early and sleep late working hard for food tolling food Like the version here. The Lord grants sleep to those whom he loves. So personal motivation means the internal desire that takes me to action. See what some people are saying in this world for a good motivation. It's very superficial, but that's what we are hearing here. Whatever you are going to do, don't postpone. Take breaks, make a list of priorities, exercise, admit your boundaries, invest in you, keep the body fed, celebrate the goals achieved. It is all good. That's all important. I would have this in in front of my desk. But before that, I would write, if the labor, labor by himself, the own strength, labor in vain. All this is very good and valid. But there is a teaching here in the Bible that is worthwhile to pay attention. Note the teaching. Work hard, sleep late, get up early, are good singing thesis. But what David is saying to his son is doing all of this in your own strength, in your own hand has no future. No future. If you can do all of this as a fruit of a yoke, it is okay, but. This is also can be bad because it's only you doing that. You need to put the Lord in. Because the fruit of that, the good fruit of that, will be how the Lord we're going to use this, or your family, you, your company, your, your, your business, whatever you have, for the good of the kingdom of God. Because we live by that, right? We live for that. As Christians, we live to make this world a better world. And not only this, but to bring these people from this world to the next world, to the heaven. So this is our goal. So we can do many things in our lives, and it's only hand-working, labor in vain. I know that is is hard sometimes, because I live in this world also, but it's possible. If your motivation is to work, just make money, prepare to have no place to spend that money, sometimes. The question is, what is our motivation for life? What moves us? Your answer to this question, our answer to this question, can tell your future. So just put God in and never regret. You never regret that. I have said many times in church, wherever I go, that there is not a single thing thing in life, in ministry, that we should do that's not for the Lord. The day I gave my life to the Lord, I gave my life to the Lord, not part of that. So everything I do, everything I think, plan, my goal is to make the kingdom larger, to make the kingdom of God, bring the kingdom here. And this we need the advice of the wise man to his son, Solomon. But also, God cares for me, caring for my whole life as a whole. One of the struggles of human being is longevity, right? The source of youth has not been discovered yet, but there are many people looking for it It's still. yeah. If you make a huge effort, a huge effort to do this, and once again, the father tells his son Solomon, look, God can bless you, and this blessing will bring you something very special for you verse 5 to 6, 1 to 8, that the Lord bless you from Zion that you should see the prosperity of Jerusalem every day of your life and see the children of your children. There is peace in Israel. So this is a promise. If you decided to put the Lord, bring the Lord before your life, before your plans, before everything you have, You will see the children of your children at peace in Jerusalem, peace in Israel. That's a God blessing on Solomon's life. There was, he he was the, 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 the great king of Israel. Prosperity came to Jerusalem in the days of Solomon. There was not war. There was only peace with all the borders. They don't have this until today. And it happened. Solomon was the wisest man of this world. As I said, Jerusalem was flourishing for a long, long time. A period or season of prosperity. And he was not a warrior. He was not a soldier like his father was. He was a wise man who just followed the advice of his father, the counsel of his father, lived a long life as he lived, saw his grandchildren, and died at the age of almost 120 years old. Let me now tell you what I think. I think this example is enough. The Bible is full of that, but these two Psalms, is, they are enough for me to not try to live my life in my own strength, my own power, building in my own hands. When I was a young man, as I gave my life to Christ, I began to perceive how God cares for me. How was it teaching me to live by the principles that led me to a balance? life. I realized that he cares for me by taking care of my motivations, taking care of my plans. I also understood that I should do my part. But there was a part that I should even try to do by myself. The book of Ephesians, the letter to Ephesians, could be called a manual a manual to a Christian life to prosper, balance balanced Christian life. Chapter one, chapter two, three, four. Especially, they go don't go walk in this direction walk, walk here, do this, do that. It's a it's a really a good manual. I love this letter. I do many of my devotionals on that letter because it is for me a guidance. And after chapter five, when he finished, he's about to finish. Chapter 6 comes as very important. Because in chapter chapter 6, he says, just like everything I taught you, from one to five, do this, go to this direction, everything I did, don't even try to do this without the power of the Holy Spirit, without God. Just put the armor of God to live your life. And then he gives the advice, the helmet and everything. Because what? Because he said, don't try to do what I'm saying to you to do by yourselves. Call the Lord to be before you. Ask him if this is the right direction. So what more I, desire for, I can desire for my life? What more do you want for your life? One of the ways to have what's important and what is enough or sufficient is to surround your way or your ways to the Lord. So when you leave this place today, it's a blessing of God, be sure that God's purpose is to take care of you, but he needs your permission. He wants to take care of your family, of your motivations, of your whole life, but he needs one thing, he needs your permission. So you may say, come Lord, before me, come before my power, come before my strength, come before my plans. This is the right plan. To Him before. This is my advice, just coming from the Bible, for the Word of God. So God bless you. Thank you very much for listening to me.
0: Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast.